You're listening to Hey everyone, it's the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 15 for July 17th, 2020. We're coming at you midway through the month of July to talk about all the pop culture that gets us through our days. I'm Marvin Yuet, and joining me as always is self-proclaimed professional Asian-American Jess Jude. How's it going, Jess? This week feels like a perpetual Monday times a thousand, and I, there's really no external, I mean, there's no like exceptional reason for it other than the trash fire that is 2020. It's just, you know, my own mood ebbs and flows. And this week's been rough. I gotta agree. My boss said like the week was going fast and I was like, and I had to hide my face, you know, <laughs> because it was a video chat like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if like something's in retrograde or something. I don't know, but it feels like it. I mean, we are recording a day earlier, so that might be adding to the... um. The no, existential no. dread of the week. I don't dread this. What are you talking about? <laughs> I very much enjoy your company and the conversation. Oh, thank you. That voice, of course, is our other co-host, culture editor Han Nguyen. Hello. Hey. So on this week's Good Pop Culture Club, we're talking all about First Cal, Kelly Records' postmodern take on the Western about two outsiders trying to make it in the Oregon frontier. But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture's been getting us through our week. Uh, Jess, what's popping? I watched Desperados. Uh, I guess it's a one-two punch, but Desperados and Palm Springs. So a lot of kind of wedding rom-com hijinks movies on streaming platforms. Desperados is on Netflix in, you know, the new grand tradition of the Netflix rom-com and Palm Springs, which we tried to catch at Sundance, Marvin, and did not get in. We were so close, though. We were so close, uh, and it was it was so sad. I think that that's the only screening I've never that we didn't get into that weekend. You know, right? you've had pretty good luck with screenings, which is like you're you're due. It was for, due time. Yeah, and that's I just had crushing to be, disappointment, <laughs> and I had to be dragging yeah. with you. Yeah, so Palm Springs, uh, and and very different vibes. One is much more optimistic and happy than the other, but you know, I love a good rom com. Um, Desperados follows uh the main character wesley wes who is played by nasim padrad and she basically is like a hot mess express finds the perfect guy um he she thinks he's ended up ghosting her but really he's been in a coma in mexico uh after an accident but she has sent this really like terrible nasty email to him basically like call it's great. It's like all these terrible things that you definitely have said about one man or another <laughs> with to your girlfriends, like in the privacy of a girl group chat. But she actually sends this email and then she has to go. She decides to go to Mexico to try to break into his room and <laughs> prevent him from reading it. I have definitely been in a similar situation, maybe not as bad as flying to Mexico, but my friends and I have done things of a similar spirit. <laughs> I will this not go into detail, but it really resonated with me. This sounds like that um, Todd Phillips classic before he became Joker Man, um, Road Trip. Do you guys remember that film? Oh yeah, yes. with like Seth Green and Tom <laughs> Green or something, and that was that was gross. Yeah, it's like it's very it's more female friendly. It's funny. It's it reunites Nassim Padrad and Lamorne Morris, who were coupled together in New Girl. Uh, L- Lamorne played Winston. And Ali and Nassim played Ali, his eventual partner, girlfriend, fiance. So it's good seeing them back together. Uh, the you know Anna Camp, Robbie Arnell, kind of round out the cast. It's like a female friendship. I, I enjoy it. And then Palm Springs is a much kind of darker take on the rom com. But I will say, I love me a Palm Springs wedding, and I have been very seriously considering a Palm Springs wedding now after this movie. <laughs> It looked great. It's so hot there, though. It is really hot. I don't do well in heat, but I like the idea of it. I think the Palm Springs wedding is now the is the new barnyard wedding. I mean, see, I haven't seen either of these, and now I'm kind of curious because I was sort of dreading them. I don't know. They're more lighthearted than Palm Springs. Definitely is relevant, but more maybe more lighthearted fair than what. 
is happening in reality um all very charming leads you know i i'm a big andy sandberg fan and christine minotti who was the mother in how i met your mother she but was. like was very underutilized <laughs> as the mother she's she, great she's, she's been a bunch of other things but like she was in a really good episode of black mirror also yeah as she guest starred on like 30 rock she had her big broadway break doing once you know the, that like musical yeah. that was the hot I like thing her. She's she's they're both really great in it. And uh, okay. Jackie Simmons is also in so when, Palm when we were in line for Palm Springs, I don't think either of us had any idea what the premise was for that film. It was just <laughs> I think we were in line because um, we were down for any Sandberg film and also our friend Chris Pang. From um, Crazy Rich Asians was also in it. Yes, so. Chris is in this uh, <laughs> as the wedding officiant. He basically plays himself. Oh, very Australian lead. cowboy. I oh my god! <laughs> like you're right. I've seen the photos. I'm okay. Yes, I'm down for it. So it's 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 just very beautiful people in this beautiful setting. It it is a lot bleaker. I don't want to spoil, give away the premise because it is pretty well, if you, interesting. If you've seen the trailer, which I unfortunately saw, you would have a spoiler. Have you. But not. before you, <laughs> since Han has not seen it, and since many of you probably haven't, let's not say anything because. I did not expect it to be that type of movie. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it, it's a very rare thing for me to be able to avoid anything in media. And so for me not to know, uh, it, it's, it usually takes a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, so don't, don't yeah. look up anything. Just watch it. It's an okay, interesting cool. ride. I, I will. I have a. I haven't really decided where I land on the whole. It, the, the tone. I won't spoil any of the plot points, but the tone is a lot darker than I think some of the rom-coms, especially like the teen <laughs> rom-coms I grew up watching, which I absolutely love and it has a special place in my heart. And I feel like there's like a overall trend towards like a little more cynical rom-com, mm -hmm. which I understand in this day and age why that happens. But I do kind of miss like a more traditional, like heartfelt. Um, I feel like you get plenty of those already though. I mean, Kissing I Booth mean, is coming out soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but those are those are a very I, I do I will say Netflix rom coms that they make a lot of them also very smartly and I and I appreciate this focus on like friendships. It's it's a much more rounded like angle of a rom com, right? It, it's love actually in in various forms. So Desperados definitely falls into that mix. I would say, um. I mean, some of the team ones are still pretty straightforward, but you know, someone great, which I loved, is it's really nothing about the romantic part. It's about a breakup, uh, <laughs> but it has all those. It's really about your friends, which I love. But like the cheesy, sappy part of me is like, I I also just rewatch like What a Girl Wants, you know, R.I.P. Kelly Preston, oh. Colin Firth is like daddy in that. Uh, Amanda Bynes is great. It's yeah. it's just like very. It's just sweet. Back just when she my, was like, great, heart happy. Oh, poor girl, man. I, yeah. I I sympathize, empathize, you know. I want her to she have a so health, good. Yeah. I want her to have a healthy comeback. Oh, yes. Uh. Yes. She <laughs> definitely deserves it. She is so, Amanda Bynes is so talented. I would mm -hmm. love to have her back if she wants to be. Yes. You yes. know. If it's um, right for her. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, just respecting the work she has done and the formative, the formative work she has done to my early culture cultural understanding but you mean, you mean uh, the unrealistic expectations you have for romance and love in life yeah i mean yeah <laughs> i mean I, do i i definitely was hoping that channing tatum would show up in a tuxedo and like sweep me up my feet at one point but you know you grow you 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 grow <laughs> up and you you learn it's yeah. fine i just want to be like swept away a little bit a little fantastical i don't think you're very unrealistic because you actually have a boyfriend right like <laughs> someone i mean yeah but you'll have to ask him how realistic <laughs> or not realistic my worldviews are oh uh, well that's awesome um i'm actually um palm springs is on my list to watch soon because i've been on a tear but yeah han what's popping all right. So by the time this comes out, people have already hopefully have heard about this new streaming service called Peacock. Um, Peacock, if you recall, is the little logo mascot of NBC. And that's because Peacock is the NBC Universal streaming service. Yes. Another new streaming service. It is hopefully 
the last new one for quite a while. But like having gone through Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus, Quibi, HBO Max, and then now Peacock, I'm very, very glad to finally be done for a little while. Um, and the cool thing I have to say about it is that there is a free tier. Um, if you remember, Hulu started it um, that where they had a free tier, which just had ads. So um, Peacock also has a free tier. So everyone can get Peacock if they want to. It gives you a lot of NBC, NBC Universal uh, network shows like on off of Sci-Fi in USA, Bravo, stuff like that. Um, uh, Universal movies which are pretty cool. Um, but, you know, the free tier, of course, doesn't have the really cool stuff. So you won't get like the Fast and the Furious movies yet. <gasps> no. You get like some Jurassic Park, I believe. And um, a few other things. I wrote a story about it so you can check that. But, uh, you know, I mean, the thing is, the deal is it's free. So you can go on there and watch a few weird movies that you have maybe missed or you want to watch again. You can watch some TV shows because that's where Parks and Rec and 30 Rock went after they left their uh, Netflix. I believe it was Netflix. Um, and uh, although Parks and Rec still might be on Hulu and Netflix currently. Anyway, they're eventually going to leave and just go there. Um, but... If you go to the next tier, the premium tier, that's when you can get more stuff like their original programming. Cause yes, they have original shows. Right now, the only original you can get for the free tier is like the psych movie. There's a second psych movie. Um, and, uh, a couple Olympics things that they had programmed because they thought they were going to the Olympics and, um, oh shit. So, yeah. You so there's the Olympics. So right now you can watch like, well, something about Ryan Lochte and some other stuff. <laughs> oh, but do some, we want that? Do we want that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. But there are other things on there that are like they they also started off with like some free like Premier League. So I like soccer um, and stuff like I that. I like but soccer I don't, players. Yeah, I don't actually watch <laughs> it unless there's a reason, though, because I just don't follow teams. But, you know, I might check it out. The only problem is just like HBO Max, it's just not available on Roku or Amazon Fire TV. Um, so I can only watch it on my computer. So that probably means I won't watch it. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> Once again, um, it's not available on anything I watch on. So and plus, yeah. I mean, OK, like as a culture editor, um, mm -hmm. is it worth it? <laughs> Free is definitely worth it. Totally. So that's why I'm just like everyone who wants to just add it to your TV if you can, unlike me or Marvin, um, then add it. It it hurts it hurts nothing. And it means that like on occasion you might be able to check out something there. If you want to watch another rom com, then there's probably an old one there you haven't seen. I honestly might just bite the bullet for the five dollars a month to have the Fast and the Furious available on me at all times. Well wait until I, I need to double check when it's available and also if you get all of them or not. So see that's the thing. Like if they had all of them I'd been like sold, but yeah. I don't know, I don't know. because you know, doing the math here, mm -hmm. there are eight Fast and Furious movies currently. Mm -hmm. Yes. If each of them cost nine like, if say, you include Hobbs and Shaw. Right, so if each of them costs about fifteen dollars um, to own in perpetuity, yeah, um, but that's also why I would say we have to wait until they're on there because I don't think they're all on there yet. And then, um, <laughs> and 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 kind of like with Netflix, I think they're going to rotate out, so it's not like you have them forever. So I, I'm, I think right now the biggest ones they have are Jurassic Park and Matrix. But then, what's the um, point of having a dedicated Universal streaming service if they're not, you're I not going to have the Universal catalog? It maybe they will um, maybe or maybe they'll bring them up every whatever and make them like a yearly event and correct me um, if i'm wrong but the 499 tier still includes ads right it just gives yeah. you access to the exclusive so, stuff so so you have to add do 999 for ad free and then select things still have ads <laughs> so i'm just, just like uh but you know th that's why i say just get the free one and browse it and then like yeah. just pay attention get the emails or whatever and so when yeah. the good stuff comes in then you can sign on and get your thing um, i will say 
if you are a film person, so I just realize I really like NBC products, both mm-hmm. on the TV side and the studio side. I mean, they're one of the oldest studios, so their backlog is pretty incredible. So I'm like browsing and there's actually some pretty cool stuff that I would say is f- harder to find elsewhere. So like the Bourne movies, there's Jurassic Park, yeah. but they have stuff like Vertigo, like the Alfred Hitchcock movie. There's they a have- few Hitchcock movies you get, but the premium tier gets you all of them or most of them. Which, which um, is kind of cool, yeah. right? Because, I mean, that's not something typically you would be able to find Universal, quite that easily. Yeah. Universal monster movies. Yeah. Um, the also, Sting, Co-Miner's Daughter. The TV shows that are made by Universal also that are on different networks are also on there. They also had licensing deals with a e Networks, which includes a lot of stuff, including History Channel. Um, and a e you can get Bates Motel. Um, and they have a licensing deal with Viacom CBS, which means you get stuff like Everybody Hates Chris. If you pay for it, also, you get some of the Showtime um, that are Viacom CBS. So you can get Ray Donovan, um, uh, The Affair and some other stuff. But yeah, oh, yeah so- definitely, definitely gonna gonna jump in for Ray Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's actually a not a bad service. So I just say get it free and then decide for yourself if you want to like cough up the five dollars a month. I would say I would definitely get it by the time like Olympics happen. Um, so oh that God. was wh- that was why it was actually coming out now because they were timing it to the Olympics. Wah, and wah. unfortunately, yeah. But you know, they still have the uh, contract. So <laughs> I mean, that's whenever, assuming yeah. sports and Olympics ever come back because ever we, come are, back. we are hurtling yes. towards like a. Well, the Japanese are doing better than the Americans, and it's going to be held in Tokyo. So who knows? <laughs> what, what makes you think the Americans will be invited to the Olympics next year? I'll still watch it. <laughs> I know we would still have the Olympics without the Americans. It's fine. It's it's like a it's like a four yearly tradition where I just thirst over the gymnastic teams, mm-hmm. specifically the ones from Asia, mm-hmm. and I'm really missing that right now, Han. Yeah. Well, th- what I think might be interesting is to see if they have some like old um olympic stuff on the surface because uh they do have some stuff there but it might not be gymnastics i i have to double check because they were gearing up with a lot of olympic stuff um before they were actually airing um do you ever just rewatch like opening and closing ceremonies for fun on youtube not the closing ceremonies i i have watched old uh gymnastics though and that's <laughs> and it's skating so because it's still great artistry you know and an amazing feats of strength and skill so uh but yeah opening ceremonies because there's something special about watching in the moment and wanting to punch the people who are commentators um. Oh my god, the the commentary is terrible. Try to watch like try to just try to find a non-American station to watch the opening ceremony. They yeah. like they like interrupt every 2 minutes of the commercial break. Yeah, I got to say not none of these are making it like are making me want to get a peacock at this moment. Well, you and I don't have to worry about it at this moment. Um <laughs> and then really quick segue, uh the things I actually watched when I shouldn't have been, you know, when I should have been doing other stuff was um Indian Matchmaking, which is a Netflix series, it will be out by the time this is uh, this podcast is out. And it's basically literally that there's an Indian matchmaker um, who matches up young. Well, not always young, you know, sometimes 30s, 40s um, people, both in India and in the United States, which is really interesting. And then um, the other one that I've watched was Love on the Spectrum, which is um, a lot of young people in Australia who have are on the autism spectrum who want to date and then, you know, like their challenges. So what I liked about both of those shows is they're normalizing, you know, like practices and, you know, people, you know, that aren't very well understood. So let's say for a matchmaking, um, a lot of people assume that like now that people, you know, people are forced into marriage and that's not necessarily the case. There is a lot of family pressure for sure, especially if you're in India but um, you have all the opportunities to say no. Um, you don't have to get forced to pick a person that your parents like, although the concept of families marrying together is very strong. And then Love on the Spectrum, I'm really, I've always been a very big proponent of uh, uh, autism awareness, just from various people in my life um, who have autism. And so what I thought was really cool was that it showed such a broad range because, I mean, that's why it's called a spectrum of like people's behaviors and their skills 
and their uh, uh, social abilities and just what their challenges were and how like they have like dating specialists who help them, you know, figure out how to do uh, the tasks of dating and, you know, just being out in the world and having conversations and stuff like that. So, Marvin, that's what I watched on Netflix. <laughs> what did you watch? So um, this past week, I've been on a um, binging tear, like I mentioned <laughs> earlier. So um, over the last week, I've binged all three seasons of Dark, season one of Umbrella Academy, um, two seasons of Food Wars, the anime. Um, I also watched The Old Guard and Freaks, the um, 2018 Emil Hirsch neo-superhero film, not the um, 1932 Todd Browning uh, classic horror film, um, and in addition to watching First Cow. Uh, what the movie we're talking about the are you okay marvin <laughs> <laughs> i've it's been um so the problem is when i when i watch stuff especially tv series it's hard to stop so it's been a lot of sleeping at weird hours um staying up till the sun comes up and also i don't i don't know if you guys do this but um after watching something to the end um i also just stay up reading everything i can about said thing oh yeah definitely the think pieces that's the only reason yeah. to watch things sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> so this happened to me with um food wars food wars is a um anime it's basically like a sports shonen anime um about wait i want to watch this this sounds good it's interesting i don't know if it's good or not oh, but it's no. definitely like i mean it's it's good enough for me to keep watching um it's like a I don't know if you're familiar with sports animes like um, Haikyuu and like Prince of Tennis. Mm-hmm. It's like, imagine that, but with like food competitions. See, that's what I like. I, I'm really into food uh, media. Right. So, so in those series, um, they spend a lot of time explaining the intricacies of said sports. So like for Haikyuu, the volleyball one, like what a spike is, what a set is, what, you know, what certain combinations are. And so for Food Wars, they spend a lot of time talking about things like cooking technique and molecular gastronomy and like spices and different ways to prepare food. Um, and all that is great. The, the, the thing that might, your mileage may vary with this one is it is a little um, pervy, which most animes are, I guess. Oh, that, I um, know that always ruins things for me, but it's not like a really harassy type of pervy. It's more like, you know, when the judges and people eat really good food, um, they get really excited and then their clothes rip off and they're all naked and they have orgasms and um, make really, really porny sounds. Um, to its credit, it does happen to both men and women, but it can get a little uncomfortable if you're, you know, watching it around people and you're not ready. For I mean, it. it's like food porn in the truest sense of the word, because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the guy who made it was like a hentai animator. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Man. But the food does look really good, and they explain it in like tech, like the that, way they explain how the food works is like actually very interesting. And I want to try doing some of those. It's very interesting um, if you can get past that part. So that's where your mileage may vary. Um, sure. The problem with how my brain works is after I watch, so the first two seasons are out right now. Um, season one's out on Netflix. Season two, I had to watch on Hulu. There are five seasons total, three mm-hmm. that aren't released yet. But the manga is already finished. So after I finished season two, mm-hmm. I went online and searched out the manga and I read the rest <laughs> of the series. I'm going to ask this again. Marvin, are you okay? <laughs> um, but yeah, so this has been just a dark reminder of why I try not to binge stuff as often because this is what happens. You Look, I get it. I've been there. I have to binge. And then like I was saying, saying to you earlier, I basically binged five books last week so yeah when you're on a tear you're on a tear what can you do but yeah having a bedtime is important <laughs> yeah i mean with the umbrella academy it was um season two is coming out soon so i was like oh i should probably watch that and i really liked it and we'll probably talk about season two later because i think it's a really interesting take on superheroes and as well as yes. dark i watched all three seasons like literally I'm... straight I'm and, so happy, um, although that's a lot to take in, because uh, that's what a show I feel like you should sit with and enjoy for a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, which is, um, I do want to talk about that at some point, because the themes will probably come up in some other stuff we watch later on. But definitely, uh, yeah. I'm impressed. I don't know if I'm okay, Jess, to answer your question, but I'm still breathing. <laughs> so I don't think anyone is. So Yeah. So um, I guess that is to say, um, I regret everything and nothing. 
<laughs> well, I guess we can eventually get to the thing that only took two hours of your time. <laughs> yeah, when we come back, we're talking all about First Cow, the new film starring John McGarrow and Orion Lee, um, available on VOD now. Uh, stick around. We'll be right back. Kathy, Kim, Steve, what's going on? Tell me, what do you know about K-dramas? Oh, um, they have something to do with the drama that comes from K-cup coffee pots, because you know they're bad for the environment? Uh, no. Oh, you mean Korean dramas? Yeah, I know that they are very grounded in reality. No, that's actually the opposite of what happens. It, it sounds like you don't know anything about K-dramas. Yeah, I was just guessing. That's actually perfect. Remember Will, Phil, and Joanna did that Korean drama podcast? Yeah, they saw Boys Over Flowers. Yes, and people apparently listen to it and want another season. But Will and Phil are still recovering from that season. Oh my god, are they okay? I did hear they tried to give themselves amnesia. Oh, is that a K-drama thing? Yeah, pretty much. So... Are you guys down to help out with the new season of the Korean drama podcast? So we're going to be watching a K-drama this time? Which one? Secret Garden from 2010. It was a big hit. And if you're down, check out the Korean drama podcast at koreandramapod.com. Gotcha! Am I going to see sauna towel buns? And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, this week again, we're talking about First Cow, the new film by Kelly Reichert which is an indie film art house drama take on the Western about two strangers played by Orion Lee and John Magaro, um, who are both outsiders in the society of outsiders out in the Oregon frontier um, in the 1820s, who come up with a scheme to make money by stealing the milk of the first cow in the territory um, to make baked goods, which is a luxury in this time in that area, um, and also the consequences that come along with that decision. Um, the film first premiered at Telluride last year um, and also played at the Berlin Film Festival and actually had a limited release early March, literally the week before the COVID lockdowns began. So that disrupted its theatrical run, which was a shame because I was really looking forward to watching this film in theaters. Uh, but it just came out last week on VOD um, Early Access and should be available for digital rentals soon as well. So um, now's your chance to catch this film that... Um, it's beginning a lot of positive buzz. Um, Jess Han, what did you both think about the film? I really wish I had been able to see this in theaters. <laughs> and I feel a little cheated because my number one, like part of it's on me. I have a terrible attention span. And this movie is so beautifully soft. I think that's the only <laughs> word I can describe it. It's just so beautifully soft and in in the pacing, the tone, the shots. I mean, some of the shots were so dark. I and I'm in like a pretty, you know, it's summer. We're in California. I have this huge window in my room where my computer <laughs> is. And like I could not see half of this movie. Yeah. I was trying to put like a blanket over my screen and like try to watch it. Um so I think I, I'm really sad that I missed some of the subtlety. And this is you know, um, our friend Andrew, Andrew on the director of Spawn Night, he he said this in a Q&A I went to once where he was like, people think of like the big films, like the Marvel superhero movies or stuff like that needs to be on the big screen. But really, it's it's I think it's these smaller kind of quieter films that need kind of that just dark intimacy. Um, but I I'm not the biggest like indie fan. You know, I I have I'm very picky with my with what indie movies I enjoy or will go see, but I did really like this one. Um, and part of it just because it was really good food porn, and I miss Great British Bake Off, which we are not getting this year. <laughs> um, yeah. So, just I'm right there with you as far as the food porn goes because, uh, the first cow that is being mentioned here is the first cow in this territory, this Oregon territory, early in early America. And um, the cow is very important because these guys, Cookie and um, King Lou, steal the milk from this cow to make something called oily cakes. And with the oily cakes, they are that are very in very high demand because no one can make these types of things and they taste great. And it's because it's from stolen milk. Um, <laughs> but what i really i did really love that because i like first of all i love food films but also just like that sort of early set like i've read the little house books and stuff like that um yes and and it's just the idea of like making 
everything from scratch. And so like these guys are foraging for berries and mushrooms. They have little traps to, you know, to get squirrels, which they're going to eat because that's protein. Um, uh, and then when they talk and then so milk is like the, ah, you know, like because otherwise you're just making flour and water sort of bread and stuff like that. And which is totally fine. But if you have that, you know, a lot. It's then literally do- the milk is literally and I, I come and I'm speaking to someone who bakes a lot and is like mm-hmm. a I call myself a pro amateur baker. Uh, milk is literally richness. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's you like, can have flour and water, like you said, and make like mm-hmm. a semblance of like some kind of carb laden cake. But the richness, the thing that really makes it worthy to have that sweetness, that decadence, mm-hmm. it, it's it's the milk and it's coming from the first cow. Yeah. I mean, it's basically cream. Like, it's like think about like baking without butter, like that type of stuff. It's like it makes a huge difference. And I really love the fact when, you know, they're first talking about the milk and and King Lou's like, oh, I don't. I don't drink the milk. I can't drink it. And I'm just like, of course, he's lactose intolerant, which I really <laughs> loved. Uh, but yeah. And so like the, uh, Cookie happened to have apprenticed with a baker. So he knows how to make these oily cakes and also clafoutis, uh and some other things. But yeah, it's it's kind of cool because it, the food wise also you see where the there's like this division when it comes to class also. Um, and because they're stealing the milk from a wealthy, yeah, his name is his his title is Chief Factor, uh, <laughs> paid played by Toby Jones. But he's also like he he he's rich and he owns a lot of stuff and he owns, of course, this cow. Um, and he once he realizes that that Cookie can bake, he doesn't really cotton to the idea. He doesn't get that like it requires milk. So he never realizes that like his cow's milk is being stolen, but then he just just starts ordering other stuff to be made because you know of course like why not? But uh, yeah, I really like the food part of it. Yeah, um, I also like just really. Um, it's been a while since I saw one of these like I guess you can call it art films or like um, festival films where it's <laughs> yeah. more like just mentioned more deliberately paced, which is what we call like movies that are a little bit slower, a little bit more about the artistry of filmmaking than, you know, what you usually find in more pop films, which is more more action, more more um, plot, I guess. But, I mean, what was really really interesting was the film is shot in not widescreen, right? It's like standard definition, kind of like four by three. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not one of those art films that, that are all about like the scenery and like kind of taking in the entire scene. It's very focused on who the director wants to focus on, which is usually the characters. And parts of it, is very dark and i wonder if that's a deliberate thing i wonder if we saw it in the theater if we would be able to see things because a lot of Mm -hmm. it was like like i noticed that as well and i was watching it in a room like at night and i still couldn't see anything yeah i think some of it's definitely deliberate i think the when the first when they first meet you know it's it's very mysterious you you can barely see um or orion lee's character king lou and they're just having this total exchange in the dark or what seems to be like total darkness (laughs) Um, and you know, you don't, you don't pick up some things like you don't, I didn't realize he was like naked. I didn't realize, you know, <laughs> he was like brightness hiding. was high on my screen. Cause I saw it all very well. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But, but, yeah. but, but I do think that I think Kelly Riker knows exactly what she's doing and, and all the choices were made deliberately. And I actually found it way more tense, even with this slow (gasps) pacing. I was so stressed out watching this entire movie because of the way it's set up. I don't know how deep we want to go in the spoiler world, but I mean, you know what's going to (laughs) happen before Well, you think you know what's going to happen. You have a set, right? But but because this is not like a commercial, like, you know, I watched, I'm a big fan of Marvel. I'm not like shitting on them. I enjoy them a lot. I think they're very well done. But you know, at the end of the day that, the Black Panther is going to come back because he has two more movies to make. You know, <laughs> Spider-Man has to come back because he has a three movie deal and they're not going to leave that money on the table. But when you go to like indie movies, you know, it, you really there is really now the sense of like, what's going to happen? Like, do are they just going to am I going to get attached? And are they just going to get off in like the first 15 minutes? Are they going to get <laughs> off halfway through? Uh, are they going to make it? And it's just yeah. very, very stressful. I mean, you bring up a good point because, um, and we don't have to go into like spoilers for this film because I feel like people should watch it. But the way that it starts, the very first scene takes place in modern times, I feel like. 
um, a woman played by Elia Shockett, um, finds a grave with two skeletons in it. And then it cuts immediately to the 1820s um, without even setting it up, which I, which I thought was super interesting. Mm-hmm. And I remember for me, like the entire time watching, like the, especially the back half of the film, wondering when that shoe was going to drop, right? Like, when, like, are these skeletons these two guys? And if they are, when are they going to die? Yeah. And like, just like, yeah, definitely there was a lot of dread for the last like 30 minutes of that film because of just what you know about that first scene. And I don't know if it's ever resolved, but that tension's just in the air the entire time. Yeah, and I think the pacing does contribute to that because you're like, you're sitting within each of these scenes just, you know, like it's a big deal when people are sweeping on on in the picture and you're just like watching them sweep and you're like, holy crap. And then when you finally kind of get to the point where you realize what their crime is, the, the stealing of the milk, it's very tense. And then I kept pausing, like, how much more of the movie do I have left? And then, like, <laughs> you know, and I like right? I even... I even did that at 10 minutes. I even did that at five. It's just like every single moment. I was like, God, this is so tense. And I was like running around the house like, I don't like this. I don't like this. But I did. <laughs> um, because, yeah, it, it, but it was also like, like, it was still beautiful. The music was like, starts out kind of like nice and tinkly and pretty. Um, but it's a very it's minimalist because, score yeah. and a very minimalist yeah. movie. Right? And I think the minimalism made you everything feel so much more amplified. Um, so you paid attention to the little things and, um, and, and, and yeah, I thought that was fantastic, but yes, I was very, like I, (laughs) if I didn't have an ulcer before I do now. I mean, yeah, it's definitely a, um, I guess I would call it probably like a postmodern Western or like a revisionist Western, right? Where it's not about like the cowboy coming in and saving the day, but it's about kind of looking at the West, how it probably actually was with shades of gray, um, with antiheroes kind of more akin to like an unforgettable or a no country for old men where like it's very um, I mean I would call this I would even call this like an un like a like an unromanticized western because yeah. the western tropes are just so ingrained whether we realize or not with some problematic ideals like manifest destiny and mm-hmm. um you know it, it's 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 the the classic western like the bravado of a classic western is very very whitewashed it's very patriarchal it's very <laughs> uh you know there, it's there's really no room or like if there's room for like a different take on that there's like like a Django Unchained or even something like Magnificent Seven that had mm-hmm. the most recent one that had you know like a Korean actor as one of the like cowboys there's still this like brash bravado about the hero and I don't know if they ever like you know they can say they're like maybe examining that but at the end of the day like they're so cool you're kind of like oh <laughs> that person is still obviously the hero because mm-hmm. he most like a hundred like 99 percent of the time it's a he at the center of the story so i i do think there there have been other like art house indie films that have kind of uh taken a like a like a I wouldn't even say reconstructionist because that just makes it sound like mm-hmm. the typical Western is like <laughs> the right one. Um, but there have been other Western films through different lenses, you know, women. But I've actually never I don't know if I've seen a Western film through a lens of male characters that's like this, like atypical male characters yeah. or atypical masculinity. Because they're also the the... Because like there's like I was saying about like this hierarchy because like Cookie he's the cook in a group of fur trappers and they're just scrab scrabbling their way to try to make a living you know uh, so there is he's not any sort of like hero he's not saving anyone he's not swooping in and showing he's people they're wrong extremely like he's extremely mm-hmm. timid he's he runs away yeah. you know the first sign of a fight he runs um, I'm I'm pretty sure he's supposed he's Jewish. Figowitz. Figowitz, yeah. Uh, Figowitz. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, he's <laughs> he's also othered and he, he's the cook, which is something traditionally, you know, women did. Yeah. Or or Asian people did, right? Asian men yeah. did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, we, we learned in the PBS documentaries because it's considered womanly art and Asian men were allowed to do that because it didn't threaten the masculinity of the white men around them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and especially because, you know, we I mean, I also grew up watching and reading little house on the prairie i think we all played mm-hmm. organ trail one way or another <laughs> uh 
But this version of the frontier in Oregon just looks gross. Like I do mm-hmm. not, I would not want to be there. Everyone's dirty and like everyone's just mean. And <laughs> yeah, I mean everything is dirty. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like when I think about the old west, I'm like, you really literally don't have like baths. Really, like if you jump in the river, that's your bath because you have to be rich to get like water boiled and cleaned and all that stuff and like a pump like like you're you're lucky if you have a well (laughs) so yeah everything's super dirty in the old west (laughs) i think about that sometimes when they have love scenes um (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but the two main characters um cookie and king lou are definitely considered even within this like western frontier setting outsiders right um they both stand out in their own ways right cookie as we mentioned is a very soft boy he is sensitive. He's a cook. He likes to nurture. He likes to like. He arranged the <clears throat> flowers. He's yeah. so soft. I but, liked him. But because he's white, he's able to fit in more. And I think that's why, because he's he looks like everyone else, but is soft, is why everyone else hates him, right? Like they're he's like often being bullied by the people around him. Whereas like King Lu, the the Chinese character, um, played by Oran Lee, he's um, much more assertive. Much more. He's a dreamer. He. Wants to chase after what he wants, but because he's Asian, he's also discounted. So, like these two people, kind of find each other and, in a way, complement each other. Um, you know, there was that really great scene um, back when um, King Lu first invites um, Cookie to his place, and they kind of settle into this kind of domestic partnership where King Lu's out hunting for squirrels, splitting logs, and Cookie is sweeping the floor and arranging flowers. Right, and it's a very oh, like, like that's a good scene. <laughs> yeah. It's super interesting that this film focuses on those two characters and kind of how they try to make it in this in this world that's kind of everything's already hard because it's a frontier, but doubly hard because they're also marginalized within the community and also poor. Right. And then um, that's when this film also becomes like a startup film. Right. You know, your typical startup tropes. You have a guy with the dream meets the guy with the um, um, the, skill, the guy with the, the skills, skills and then they come together. They find success and then inevitably hubris or um, <laughs> or pride or arrogance or ambition brings them down. It's like it's basically the social network, right? It's social network, but <laughs> instead of Facebook, it's a really pretty cow. It's a really pretty cow. She's yeah. gorgeous. And they, I, I read Evie. an article about how they had to cast Evie. they cast the cow and yeah. like she was looking at headshots of the cows. I was like, I did not even know this was a thing, but I guess so. Well, they clearly picked the best one because yeah, she's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. And I mean the cow becomes like their their um their cash cow. Yeah. Their cash cow. And there's but a really I'm interesting s- I mean, and, and that's where this film also takes on another layer, which is a commentary on like capitalism and the fact that um, they literally say like as poor people, it takes three things. Three things has happened for them to find success, right? Either a miracle, leverage, or crime. And mm. they decide crime is the only way they can do it. And I mean, I think there's, I mean, this might be reading too much into it, but like the fact that like, so this film has a lot of characters, mostly male, but the only female characters are the indigenous people, the natives from the area. And that's because, like, you know, the frontier, mostly men came to, like, find their fortunes, trapping or hunting. The only women that are there in this, like, frontier town were there to begin with, right? So in a sense, Chief Factor, the, the proprietor or the, the owner, the landowner of this fort, also stole his wealth, right? <laughs> like. Yeah. Um, wealth is stolen. Like it's capitalism. Like there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, right? Like everything is stolen. Right. Yeah. And 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 that, be, well, because he basically forced I don't know uh, into marriage one of the First Nations women to be his wife, and uh, all of his servants, I believe, are First Nations people. Um, is that his wife? That I think so. She was wearing a Western I mean, dress. Wife. <laughs> Wife. Right, I'm right. That's what I'm saying here. I mean, we know it happens, right? It's yeah. In when whenever there's a lack of women to marry, or even if there are women to marry, men will, you know, just rape and yeah. coerce who yeah. all the women that are there. Um, and and I just I thought it was really interesting all the frame shots where you know every time you see the cow, but you see like a Native American person, you know, like 
either like they're the next shot or they're like in the same shot and it's just it's like the cows both this one beautiful it's their ticket right it's it's king and cookie's ticket and it's their all their hopes and ambitions rely on this cow and this cow is beautiful i mean we, we've just been talking about how hot <laughs> this cow is but then in that sense it's so ominous because you also know the mm-hmm. cow is just the impending colonization and in, in a very physical sense of right you're they're yeah. bringing in like mm-hmm. things that don't belong things that <laughs> do not belong and they're going to destroy and change the land to a point of un, of it being unrecognizable um and so it's like it's and then and then King and Cookie occupy this really interesting space, which I think is really relevant to me right now. I as as I was reading as I was reading this film, reading this film, but <laughs> it's it's this weird tension between yeah, they're marginalized and they're struggling and they're these outsiders, but at the same time mm-hmm. they are not the ones being the most fucked over. Yep, because and they are still mm-hmm. some way benefiting from this encro- this first cow, this encroachment, this this arrival yeah. of white European yeah colonialism. The, yeah, We're, it's a lot. It's I a mean, lot. they're def- they're definitely capitalists because they are like King, especially is reading into mm-hmm. supply and demand, and the fact that the reason that, that he's so ambitious now to get the milk and literally putting themselves in jeopardy is because he knows this is the window before they lose their advantage i just can't i mean i know this movie was made in like probably 2018 20 you know it premiered in 2019 so it's just it's a very relevant movie still even maybe more (laughs) relevant now than it was last year as we were talking about systems of capitalism and you know racism and and colonialism and the the different tensions of the people kind of in between right um so I, I do think it's really interesting that, you know, the the, sh- the book, the writer, the director, just all the choices they made in the story. Was was King a, was the other, I mean, was it a Chinese immigrant and a, like, Jewish? I don't think so. Like, cook in the original book? Or was that, like, a movie change? I know Cookie was still a cook. Um, the name of King's character is, like, Henry something. Like I, I don't think they were... An Asian person, but I know that um, the original book is actually a dual narrative between like 1970s Oregon and 1820s Oregon. Um, so I think the movie decides to focus specifically on the um, the 1820s plot um, and changes it a little bit because um, in the book they actually make it to China and back together. Um, and damn, that's I a long journey. That movie would have been really long. I don't know if they make it in this one. <laughs> Um, but I haven't read the book, and I I actually tried to look it up to see if the if the the King Lu character in the book is Chinese or not. But yeah. um, I, I I don't know enough to make a definitive answer. But the choice, if it was a choice to make King Lu Asian or Chinese in this story, I think is relevant to our interests because you know it's representation. And I think as Han mentioned before, you very rarely see um, Asian representation in frontier stories right in, in wild west stories um and i mean mine is like the jackie chan movies yeah <laughs> Shanghai we, had, Yoon. We, we had it in yeah. warrior and then yeah and and then there was that book uh uh what in these hills are gold that came out like was it last year but yeah it's and it, the thing is there are definitely chinese people around <laughs> in the old west because of the whole uh, like besides building the railroads and stuff so it's like may you know I, I would like to see way more of those stories. Um, <laughs> and I mean, there were other Chinese characters in hmm. the film as background characters, too. Um, King was just very like, like he has definitely um, what's the word, assimilated into um, frontier American culture. Right. He's wearing the clothes. He's acquired the ambition of a, you know, American Western man. And his English is really, really good, which probably means that he's been there for a long time. Right. And he's well traveled. He's been to London. Right. He's been to. Like, yeah, yeah, he's he's been westernized for sure in some way. And I like the fact that the character is so is he he's the one with like the like the the hustler, you know, the one who kind of is a little more outspoken, extroverted, like ambitious because I do think sometimes when we see some of these characters even if they are small another western like you know, or like the laborers and you're kind of just like a stock character, but <laughs> if you think about what kind of person would choose to like leave their home on the other side of the, the world to try to strike it rich. Like they're pretty ballsy people to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to get the 
timid ones. Yeah, and I don't so, know where Orion Lee's been like before this, but he is a super charming dude. Super charming, yeah. a little too handsome to be like a dirty <laughs> frontier. <laughs> like just saying, I'm just saying, like you know, everyone else looks like their teeth are rotting out of their mouths. And <laughs> I mean, I'll take it because if we're talking about the whole Western genre and like the sexy cowboys, I will take sexy uh, hustler. Um, <laughs> King Lou, <laughs> sexy hustler, Chinese immigrant cowboy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. What has he been in? I'm looking right now. At, at the same time. Oh, he was in war. He was, <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, he's also like the guy I was yelling at the most. Like, what the hell are you doing? It's kind of yeah. <laughs> it's like have the great ideas, but know when to stop. Like, dude. But yeah. Uh, yeah, haven't it, you seen one of these startup movies? You know, you got to know when to cut and run, no, especially if Facebook it's based wasn't on crime. There yet. <laughs> mm. The first startups. I know, especially when it's based on crime. Like you can't get away with that. Well, we know that, but <laughs> do they? And, and here's the thing. Everyone in this frontier. I mean, we've talked about this. The rich man is committing crime. Everyone's actually committing crime, right? You cannot mm-hmm. succeed in this yep. context without in some way, shape or form committing crime or being violent or just being really rough like that's just the Mm -hmm. world of this frontier so it's like this very like it's it's just it's just it just was a very tension filled movie because he's committing this crime you know like you just know the other shoe's gonna drop or else there'd be no movie right like if they just keep stealing (laughs) the milk from this cow and all as well it's it's going to be fine. You know, like there would be, we'd have no movie. But you know, the other shit's going to drop. And and then it's just like this additional like hypocrisy of like, these are not like good, just innocent people, right? You're you're going to be on the side of like the two <laughs> underdogs, mm-hmm. our heroes of the film. And uh, it's just so heartbreaking because again, you just, especially from the setup of the beginning, it's like, are they going to end up in the ground? Like two skeletons in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and the so thing is, sad. like, it's sad because these are two guys who were probably there at that time a little too late, right? Or too early because these are people that probably could have done well once this place was, you know, gentrified and, you know, became become <laughs> an actual settlement. A little more. Yeah. <laughs> um, but because you're dealing with frontier people where the language is violence and brutality, mm-hmm. um, the landlord himself can't fathom, like, like, if he was truly a good businessman, he could have seen opportunity in the fact that here is a really good baker mm-hmm. in this town where I own all the milk. He could, right? have, pr- pr- he could have made a deal with these mm-hmm. two. Yeah. Was there any... And Did he even know what he, he was going to do with the milk? Or, like, did he have his own I mean, plan? He wanted it for his tea. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, the, the cow was a status symbol for the guy. He wants mm-hmm. it for his tea to be, to be English and refined, right? It's like a status of his... Yeah. And to have more cows because you know he did also mm-hmm. try to get a bull over there but it didn't last so um yeah he exactly it was status and milk in his tea because you know he needs needs to be an englishman still um but yeah it, it was that but it was also like even the, the whole discussion about beaver um and how like he was like there's so much beaver here we will never you know run out of beaver and, oh, <laughs> oh no. my god speaking of modern like oh, allegories no. to modern times right like <laughs> oh my god it's, it's just made me cringe but you know hey but we're also talking about how like king king lu is not innocent either because he was talking about how the chinese love to have was a beaver the oil um, well i thought that was more of a thing of like yeah like the french and the europeans only want beavers for the pelts for the pelts um, and the hats yeah and then he was saying and the, chinese, the chinese can use for oil and then the, right. the, the indigenous the tails like, chieftain were was yummy. like the tails were the delicious parts so it's like yeah Everyone wants a part of the beaver. Uh, but, you know, I was just like, we're talking about exploiting the natural resources also. And I was like, ugh, because at least, <laughs> I, the, yeah, yeah, the indigenous people were use as sustenance. Yeah, I thought that was more of a commentary sense. on how European, like Western people don't like use the whole animal. They only see it as like parts. Well, like to consume as opposed and to it's like parts of it's parts really for like more for vanity right it's it's yeah. clothing it's i mean i guess it's and like the, warmth but 
Yeah, it's not sustaining you. You don't necessarily have to have a beaver pelt. It just is what's in fashion, which again brings us back to capitalism. There is no ethical consumption under capitalism. Yeah. It's a terrible for sure. song. I mean, that, that... <laughs> I was about to say, maybe you just need to rework the lyrics a little bit. <laughs> or make it the refrain of a, a, a catchy chorus. Do you think we should just write a new musical called Capitalism and yes. us repeating? There's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Capitalism. Yeah, it has to be mm. the name of it has to be Capitalism with an exclamation point. I mean, it uh, is how the West was out. won. I mean, this yeah. movie proves it. <laughs> I think this is, that's this, what this movie this shows. Going to work. Yeah. Um, I did really love, like you know, this is a very strange entry into the buddy. Genre, buddy film mm-hmm. genre but it, it's very it's 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 quite lovely um i i think both men it's like, do yeah. a really great performance it's a western it's a buddy film it's a heist film but um, with a cow with milk yeah like the, <laughs> in, the innocent is the cow um yeah it's it's good stuff i mean there's there's a female right there um yeah, it was, it was, it was <laughs> the great. only female representation is this cow <laughs> well to be fair also female director so yes oh yeah and again i think it's it's it is a very interesting exploration of this american masculinity right like i think Mm -hmm. we can we can call it that pretty concretely american masculinity which is so built on this western frontier tropes genre this idea of manifest destiny that we belong here um and and she really i think does a really great job of subverting so much of that and (laughs) I mean, there was that one line, right? Like, cows don't belong here. And then mm-hmm. someone was like, well, maybe white men don't belong here neither. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, oily cakes, is that just, are those just donuts? Well, like it's, donuts. Or beignets. Yeah. There, there, it seems to be like close. a yeasted donut thing mm-hmm. in lard. Mm. Yeah. I like the lard uh, aspect of it. And, and and you deep fry also. You could probably just do it in a, like a, if you have a cast iron. Um, I am not much of a baker. So Jess, are, would you be trying it? Oh, like definitely. It- definitely. I'll bring some over next time. Um- I did enjoy like the, um, the way that he was glazing the donuts with like cinnamon yeah. and honey. Very yeah. manually. I, it, I did it like very, that. It's a very rustic like mm-hmm. movie, right? Like everything is forced and handmade. And I mean, I bought all this flour, and I haven't done anything yet. But I was thinking <gasps> maybe I need recipes. Well, I might. I was thinking about <laughs> making more like Asian stuff. So I bought Asian flours too, like tapioca flour and rice flour and glutinous rice flour. So I was like, I could make mochi. Um, I could make dumplings. Um, and all this yeah. other stuff. I have so many green onions. I need to make <laughs> pancakes. Make onion pancakes. Yeah, yeah, it's super easy. You don't even need any like it's That's just flour and water. Right. Oh, I don't need the milk. You don't. <laughs> I, I will say. I will say the milk. I mean, as someone who is bakes a lot and like grocery shops a lot. Like I, I spend a lot of time thinking, interacting with food just in my personal life. And milk is such a weirdly. Mm-hmm. political thing in america okay number one milk has one of the strongest lobbies period there's actually no reason why we should be freaking drinking like milk into like high school for lunch it's actually really gross if you think about it <laughs> like to be drinking i don't know if you had this in houston han but in like our school district you the only drink available for you for breakfast lunch is milk and oh, you're yeah. just like why are we drinking milk? Do I drink milk in my like regular day to day life? Like they obviously have some contracts and some like, you know, there's a deal cut in some room somewhere in like a government building from the Altadena so, dairy. So right? I really <laughs> liked milk a lot. Like I was very fine with drinking milk. I would have rather drink milk than water. Um, And then through even after college, I was like, I was determined not to become lactose intolerant. So I kept drinking milk. And then I realized that like, I wasn't very happy after drinking milk. So <laughs> I, I stopped right away. I was in my 20s. And then I was like, and I, I, I was fortunate enough that just not drinking milk often was fine. So I can still have ice cream, you know, cheese and yeah. the occasional milk if I need to, you know, at a place. But yeah, for now, I just don't drink it like water anymore. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Milk had a great PR team. Remember, the Got Milk <laughs> ads were like 
everywhere we're so like saturating the cultural consciousness when we really don't need to drink milk after a certain point in our lives yeah, uh, i yeah. think you know we're all asian we all technically cannot drink milk or, or some degree of lactose intolerant yeah. i still do but like i am lactose intolerant to a degree um <laughs> and the majority of the world's population is lactose intolerant the only people well, who yeah. are naturally not are white people like from like the northern mm-hmm. european like areas yeah and then if you think about milk is cheaper than gas in the mer or no gas is cheaper than milk right so like uh, and but, but milk is like milk's like like five bucks a gallon and then milk is like contributing to like cow and like you know like just the farm agricultural farming and which is one of the problem players of like climate change and everything and i'm just like milk is really oh they're like and they don't even let you call like almond milk milk anymore because the milk lobby got mad and they're like <laughs> you cannot call it milk it's confusing yeah. you have to like call it milk with a y or like oat mm-hmm. beverage yeah which is crazy how much power milk has so i just think it's interesting that like something that seems so innocuous so wholesome is like pretty nefarious if you like dig a little deeper um, I mean, food politics in general. Level. I mean, one well, of yes. Kim Woo's yes. dream was to start a farm. He was talking about growing almonds. And for those of us that live in California, almond mm-hmm. farms are also very politically charged. Like, oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> food is political. Well, yeah. food is political in general because of who has access. Um, and so, yeah, it all starts with this first cow, and like who mm-hmm. has access, mm-hmm. and yeah, privilege. So. And and now, like, when you talk about, like, food deserts, it's all because of, like, who has access, where these, you know, where these fresh foods are, like, uh, where these shopping uh, grocery stores are. Um, but, yeah, so it, it, it really is, like, our current world, but, like, in this sort of, like, period microcosm. Um, yeah, I think in the way that Hamilton shows how all the problems <laughs> of our country are were embedded in its roots first cow shows how a lot of our problems now especially like being west coast people definitely yeah still especially you know from the inception i mean even the names of our cities like los angeles san francisco where they call they keep saying saint francisco which is really yeah. interesting <laughs> yeah saint francisco and then <laughs> saint diego no saint no saint louis obispo i think is what they say. oh saint louis obispo yes yeah yes. yeah i mean our entire society is kind of has roots in violence and that right so mm-hmm. you know in some ways we're all complicit so we all ha- we all have to figure out how to deal with it. even if it's not you know directly our fault we're we live here this is our home so we can all be more deliberate in our choices we ha- we need to figure out where we're getting our food from and if a first cow is you know a culprit in in its way like our, yeah. our other people yeah so i mean the mere fact that the first cow came right was mm-hmm. has- yeah Exactly. Is a sign of, you know, like it's, it's, I mean, this is something that Westerns, a lot of Westerns kind of touch on, like, especially things like Deadwood, the encroachment of law and order into the lawless West, right? Like a lot of Westerns are, are about sheriffs coming and bringing in the law. And if you think about what does that mean? That means civilization is coming to this land where there was no law to begin with. Or at least how the white people saw law and order. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. You're right. Like the law that was, present in america was with the indigenous people and then the white people came in and imposed their own laws and so everyone else kind of followed suit <laughs> well i mean you know okay like we all know police police as we see it today were created to protect property right and <laughs> i mean that mm. first cow that came that's property that needs to be protected it's a hot cow though so <laughs> look we all want a piece of this cow whether it's just the milk or a look. <laughs> I want this. <laughs> have this you ever? Have you ever had like milk or like cream straight from a cow's udder? I assume it's warm. I have not. It's I've, delicious. I've, I'm not I've, gonna lie. I've had is it, it nice squirted. and creamy? It's. I have had. I had it squirted in my mouth directly. It is warm and it is just full yeah. free, full fat cream, and it's delicious. It is yeah. so good. I'm not a fan of warm milk, to be honest. Well, it's of course it's going to be warm. I, I the only animal I've milked is um, a goat, but I didn't I didn't get to drink it because did the it was, goat cooperate? 
Yeah, it was for an event. It was weird. Like it was, it was kind of cool. I was like, oh, I could get into this milking thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I think milking a cow would be interesting. But I it, I imagine it tasted great. Like make great. an ice cream out of that. Ugh. It was a little unsettling. Like you just can't think of where the warmth comes from. <laughs> it comes from the cow's butt. No, but it, it was. It's delicious. It's delicious. Yeah. Well. First Cow is now available video on demand um, wherever you get your video on demand movies. Um, available for rent pretty soon too. And yeah, definitely worth a watch. And with that, that also do it for this episode of Good Pop. Uh, Jess Hunt, if people want to follow you on social media, where can they go? You can find me on Twitter at JessJewTweets. And I am at Hanonymous, H-A-N-H-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S. And you can follow me at Marvin Yet. You can follow the podcast at Good Pop Club and subscribe to us by going to goodpop.club. Uh, we're a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-hosted podcasts. Check out our fellow Potluck pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks so much for listening. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy some good pop. Bye, everyone. Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace.